Oh, okay. These um, couple minutes. Sorry, we'll Sarah. Be, uh, recording. If anybody is not comfortable with that, please feel free to. Um, and and I forgot to select. Got it. Uh, but I was just saying, you know, if if you don't feel comfortable being part of this recording, uh, feel free to sign off, and you'll have access to the recorded video afterwards. So you can really. Um, you know, be, be in your comfort zone here. So uh, settling into a little bit more of our comfort zones, we can start by maybe just uh, doing a little bit of shoulder release, uh, whether that's rolling your shoulders or shaking your shoulders a little bit, just kind of coming into your body. Uh, you can have your eyes open with a soft gaze. And if you're sitting um, like me, maybe also kind of using this physical sensation of sitting to ground a little bit more um, literally as well. So we'll start by placing our hands on either side of our heads. Taking a breath here and just um, starting to maybe visualize a container, container for your thoughts, working with the sensation of your hands on the side of your head, if, if you're doing this, if it feels comfortable, to kind of think about some edges to that container, maybe even visualizing a box, hands on the sides of our heads. We can take a deep breath here or shallow breath. And now we'll move on to one hand on the back of your head and one hand on the front of your head, on my head. Placing one hand on the forehead and one hand on the back of your head, noticing the sensation, if any, between your hands. Just going through the motions, noticing what you notice, no right or wrong here. Grounding in, creating a bit of a container. And now place one hand on your forehead and one hand on your heart, if this feels safe, if you want to do this. Again, noticing any physical or emotional sensations, maybe even a little shift from the previous posture to the one you're in now. And you can stay here, or if you'd like to continue, you can place one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly. Breathing naturally, noticing any sensations in your body and mind, if that feels comfortable to do, to engage with. And now one hand on your heart and one hand on the back of your head. Placing one hand on your heart and one on the back of your head over the, the indentation um, where your, your head meets your skull. And notice any sensations here, just grounding in. And when you're ready to take an inhale, enjoy your breath here in this state of maybe um, a little bit more grounding. If you don't feel any notice, uh, noticeable changes, that's okay too. We're just engaging our body and a little bit of our, our mind here. 
And when you're ready, release that. You can shimmy out your shoulders, gently open your eyes if they've been closed or return your gaze to the space that we're in. Take a deep breath here and welcome everybody. Welcome to anybody who's just joining us now. We just did a little uh, collective movement, body activity. If you'd like to ground yourself in, if you're just joining the conversation, please do that. Um, some some self-regulation here. And without further ado, I'd like to pass the word back to um, Katie, who will uh, start off our intros for today, and then we'll move into our conversation with our guest speaker, Donna Mori. So thanks again for being here, everyone. And uh, I'll be active in the chat. Feel free to drop any questions or introduce yourselves there. Thank you, Sarah Rose. So hi, we've had a bunch more people join us during our um, grounding exercise. So Hi, everyone. Um, again, I'm Katie Sullivan. I'm a family nurse practitioner, um, owner of the clinic Modern Compassionate Care with my partner here, who is... Hi, everybody. My name is Beth Lupo. I'm an LCPC, licensed clinical professional counselor in Illinois, and provide therapy services here at Modern Compassionate Care. Sorry. And then we're going to let Sarah introduce herself too. Sorry. <laughs> sure, yeah. Popcorn style. My name's Sarah Sykes. Uh, my full name's Sarah Sykes Goldsmith. And uh, I am the founder of Sarah Rose Botanicals, which is a health coaching platform. I also do some consulting as well as some retail and product development. And I am passionate about empowering wellness. And I'd like to um, pass the word to Donna so that they can introduce themselves. Yeah, I'm actually going to give a little uh, intro to Donna because Donna doesn't want to sing her own praises. So I'm going to do it for her. Um, and I, let me just say, I, you know, I, I propose this as a topic for us to talk about today, medical trauma and self-advocacy. Um, it's something that I've seen so many of my patients that I work with have um, experienced trauma, trauma actually through seeking care. Um, and self-advocacy is that skill that we need navigating the system. Donna is a person who is incredibly um, tenacious and gifted at self-advocacy, and I think she has a lot to tell us. So as soon as we talked about this, Donna was the person who I said, we're going to have our first guest. Let's invite Donna on. You know, I, I, I think she'll be really valuable to share what she's learned. So this is Donna. I'm, I'm going to read her bio right now. Donna is a dedicated community, senior community advisor and tireless advocate for social justice, health education, and equal economic opportunity. She has over 15 years of extensive experience and a superior record of successful community engagement, volunteer initiatives, and program coordination, research, and institutional campaigns. Um, she's been a recipient of commendations of, and honors for service to the community. She is well-versed in providing technical assistance and strategic guidance on the implementation of programs. She knows systems well. Um, she's a grant conceptualist. She's an advisor. She cultivates strategic relationships. She's somebody that makes connections um, and is amazing at um, bringing people together. And she's done it very well for herself. So um, Donna, I... Take it away. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you were able to do this today. 
And uh, thank you I, all. And uh, I was smiling so much to myself as they were talking about technical aspects. So when we're talking about technical, we're not talking about tech technology in terms of machinery, because as you can see there, we're having difficulty right now. And, uh, but what I can say is when navigating anything dealing with your personal health, you will have to be well-versed in learning how to pivot, continuously pivoting. And I first wanna thank these ladies because the four ladies that I can see pictures of, uh, Katie, Beth, Sarah, and Kelly Judge are people that were in the Chicago area that understood the necessity of plant-based healing during the COVID epidemic. And I am going to specifically frame this conversation by what I have experienced as a person who was first uh, encountered with this illness was in December of 2019. Yes, I said 2019, not 2020, because I lived in the LA area and I was seeking medical care, critical medical care in uh, Monrovia, California, where I was living at the time. And I had been sent there by friends, but through me going through the hospital systems, I must've engaged and encountered the illness since people from all over the world uh, go to this, the city of hope in uh, the LA area. Um, it was an awful experience. I kept trying to tell people as I was writing for not one, but two necessary surgeries that something was going on with me. Something was wrong. Something was wrong. I couldn't stand. I couldn't do anything. I had a son in um, West LA at the time and I talked to him. We met. He came. I just thought I was overwhelmed. Um, it wasn't the case. And when I started getting my labs back, preparing for surgery, it was obvious. I it wasn't just all in my head, but there was no explanation for it. I fortunately was in the care of some very caring physicians. Uh, my primary care physicians really heard me. He did everything to get access to all of my files and medical information from the multiple institutions that I had been a part of. However, they could not understand why all of a sudden I was stage uh, two uh, renal failure. They could not understand why I was borderline with so many illnesses that had never ever been a part of my, my um, health history. So I'll go forward on and decide that once I got really well and decided I was like during this crisis, they then notified me, Donna, um, LA is shutting down. Um, those critical services that we were needing to provide, uh, they're not critical anymore. And we can't provide any surgeries for you. Now, as I stated, I had gone to California from Atlanta to get some assistance and I was then told, no, well, it's not important. And I was shocked and couldn't understand, but I was looking at the ghost town developing around me. Um, so I decided, reached out to my family, much to their dismay and said, listen, I'm leaving LA, I'm coming to Chicago. Somebody let me in. And my twin sister actually did. <laughs> and, um, 
it was hard to explain why I was feeling what I was feeling. But what I knew was I was in LA. I was looking at what was going on on the news. I was fortunate enough to be in LA at the time. So I was getting news from 36 countries in Asia. That ended up being a pivotal point of my understanding because I also understood how information was being communicated. There were news stories that were not sensationalizing anything. They were not hiding. They were just reporting what was being seen, experienced, and discussed and uh, released to them. So when I came back to Chicago, I was like, you all, you all, um, I... Um, I uh, have to share with you, all. I just came, they're talking about New York, New York shut down, all of this. However, is something going on? It's a lot that they're not talking about. And all of a sudden, I'm just upset because I'm like, you all, my critical surgeries were canceled. They told me, don't go into a hospital system. Don't do all of these things. And I'm like, but what am I to do? And, and so I got uh, to Chicago, my twin sister, I noticed she had some fatigue and I said, listen, I heard you were not feeling well, having some things. And she's like, Donna, I just had this fatigue, this and that. And so I started like, oh my God, oh my God, nobody knows what's going on. And so this is my twin. So I'm like, is she feeling me? Or <laughs> has she gone through something that she's not sure of? So I'm trying not to uh, frighten anybody, but Thankfully, as an advocate, I reached out to all of my contacts and said, listen, I need you all to educate me. We're all starting to hear who is being impacted. The numbers are escalating, the deaths are escalating, and I'm in all four of these categories that are at risk. So tell me, what are you doing for the at-risk population? Because don't tell me they're dying, tell me what you could do. And to the credit of some outstanding men and women who were very high ranking in the medical industry, they said, Donna, we have no plan. And I'm like, wait, COVID-19, I understand from a medical perspective that you don't get to 19 by first coming by one. So is it a variant every year? And if so, you all have already had 19 years. So how is it that you don't know this? Because with the flu vaccine, you already knew to reach out to seniors, minorities. You knew who were impacted most by that virus and you started vaccines. So as I started looking and understanding, I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. And that's when I realized that, that when the change of the guard as the commander in chief changed in our country, that Obama had left a plan. They knew that something was impending. They knew that this virus, this was a mutation that was starting to happen. And the plan, the 69 page plan had just been totally discarded. So probably after about a month of being with my sister and stuff, calls start coming on. And the calls start coming to me from like, National Institute of Health, Senator's Office, Representative's Office, the NAACP, the Urban Leagues, all of this. Donna, can you jump on a call? The, the, the church, and they were all medical professionals 
that I had interacted with during the um, Affordable Care Act. And what we started hearing is conversations that, oh my God, we need people on the ground. Who are the people on the ground that can tell the people what's going on, our communication system? So the urgency and, and, and vigor in which I'm talking to you all is the way I was being talked to. And I'm like, oh my God, but I'm not a healthcare professional. I am a healthcare advocate. However, I understood policy. And so I'm like, so what is in the Affordable Care Act that helps with this? What was in the president's plan? And then our country declared a pandemic. Well, most people didn't understand when the president declares a, start, a state of emergency, wartime or otherwise, a lot of our civil liberties are now in one individual's hand and his advisors. They don't have to go through the the, the ordinary circumstances and processes. So I'm getting more and more afraid. I'm getting afraid from my family. I'm getting afraid from my community, uh, the hospitals, the people who are working in them. Because this person who is the commander in chief has already said, I'm not one of his favorite group of people. And the free fall began. And uh, we can speed ahead. I did everything I did to communicate with my family, uh, all aspects of them. And I, I got myself in a place of wellness. I, I started looking at, okay, okay. But so as, as they shut down LA and I had no recourse for a healing uh, intervention, I started sharing with friends what I was going through. And one of them introduced me to a bottle of infused water. It was infused with full spectrum, crystallized uh, uh, cannabis. And I took, and the, the friend that uh, told me about it was the friend who also helped me to get into the city of hope and the water changed my world. It changed my world. I could now stop grimacing in pain, stop trying to hide from my sister and them that I'm not isolating because I'm fearing you. I'm isolating because I can't, can't stand anybody looking at me in this level of pain. But I remembered I still had a lot of that water. And I started looking at how can I get my thing shipped to me? So now, two years later, I get another exposure to COVID. And this exposure, I understand everything that they've said, and I then get afraid. I'm like, they told me, don't go into the hospital systems. Don't do all of these things. My my advisory board has said, Donna, don't go seek any care from anybody that does not know your medical history, because in what we're going through, we can't even access your information, let alone have time to look at it. But I knew something was going wrong and very wrong and downhill fast with me. And um, so I called my doctor's office. I explained a few things. They gave me the fastest appointment they could, which was six weeks down the line. 
Um, I can say to you all, and I say it with shame, that I never, ever considered going to the ER. Uh, three operating systems of my body were seriously injured. Um, I then now had a level of fatigue. I, I had memory loss. I have the right side of my heart that has been impacted. And it is because of the way we were communicated with. Don't, 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 don't. They don't know anything about you. They can't help you. And although I knew a lot of it was rhetoric, I also knew that I had drank the Kool-Aid. I too was more afraid of the medical system and me being one of the people in those four high-risk groups. But I did keep my doctor's appointment. Um, they then start doing tests. Yes, something's wrong, Donna, something's wrong. Uh, there's a drastic change. They made some calls and I get in with cardiologists, pulmonology, immunologists, all of these people right away. However, as I reach out and touch in touch with the cardiologist, the doctor, who actually is a uh, PA in front of me. I'll never forget his name because his name is the name of my family name and my brother's name. So I'm looking at this man and I finally say to him, did you drink the Kool-Aid too? Do you need to send me to the ER right now? Do I need to go? Are you all being forbidden and cautioned for sending people to the ER? And he looked at me. And I said, you don't have to decide for me. I'm deciding for you. Get medical transport and take me to the ER. I was admitted immediately. I was then told that I needed to have a test that was very, very high risk for me. And it was necessary though, it was necessary. They had met with their colleagues, done everything, asked me to call my children in. And they, I did, I called them on the phone and said, hey, you all, I've had COVID there, see that there's some significant changes and they need to know how much of these changes are uh, impacting me right now because I'm showing some very important limitations. And I talked to them and say 49, 51% is not a good thing, status for anybody but I don't know what I need to know and what they need to know. And I agree. I say, yes, I'm going to do this because I believe I'm going to be all right, but I need to know. Well, moving forward, I'm in the hospital the next day. They come in, I ask my nurse. They know to have me in the surgery suite very early on why am I so late in the day? They said, oh, you don't know? They canceled your procedure. What do you mean? They canceled it. And so I said, well, I need to talk to my physician. He comes back. He then tells me that the administrative team of the hospital believes that the decision he made was too risky for me and the institution. Highly reputable world-renowned institution, and we're going to discharge you. I need to have this so you'll know how bad off I am. 
However, somebody has said to me, we're going to discharge you and there's no follow-up, but get in touch here. There's a 13 page discharge instructions telling me all of the tests, all of the things, and oh yeah, it's gonna be an uphill battle. And yes, you have long COVID. I share the tenacity of me with the healthcare system is because I do believe there are great medical professionals. I had to go back to the emergency room. I went back there with actually my niece who had actually trained in nursing in cardiology. She witnessed me not even seeing them follow their own protocol with a person who is presenting as me. She has to leave. She's left her family, young children to take me right away. I don't want my sister in there with me because she's more at risk than I am. And so I'm there alone. 18 hours later, I decide to just take an Uber and come home. What I then decided to do is I know my body. I will heal and I will advocate for myself. I put a list together of 30 names of people that I knew from various aspects of medicine, uh, mental health, social health, political, and some people who had connections policy-wise and said, listen, here's what I'm dealing with. Here are the decisions I need to make for myself. How can you help me? One of those things was also getting the care of Katie and Beth's services prior to, and I was already being treated with plant-based medicine. I had a team of four different people that helped me with plant-based healing opportunities. That's what saved my life. Um, you all, Beth and Katie, have a symbol of the cannabis plant behind you all. What nobody on here knows yet is on Friday, I went back to my pulmonologist. They checked a lot of the, the most pressing allergens for me. Out of the 25, I am now only highly, highly impacted negatively by one, and that is mold. The doctor, my pulmonologist cannot understand it. I told all of my medical professionals about my healing, my minerals, my vitamins, everything, my regimen. I have two people on this call. One of them is Dr. Harvey Eccles and Deborah Crockett. They are high school chums of mine at our 40th reunion. They had the bright insight to make sure that we, as we were aging, had a session about our health as we age. It is some of those things that they taught me that I implemented and utilized and helped me communicate with my medical team. So I'm sharing all of this to tell you all, you cannot advocate for yourself without knowing about the policies, about your rights. You cannot disregard anyone because my zip code, my locations, and I have lived in high income earning communities, 
did not change my medical outcomes. They did not. The medicines that are available to me are put on a formulary by the medical institutions treating you. They only get to choose from what's been chosen for them. These are truths I'm telling you that is very much the truth. You also have given insurances that are covering things that may not be allowed in your state. I have had to leave my home four times for medical treatment only because it was not available. I need all of you all to know that America is the United States. It is a country, but it acts like a continent. Every state without healthcare has free reign with a lot of those things. As I'm looking at who's on the phone, we also have people on the phone who has the ears of governors, elected officials, and different things. Those are the people you all should know too, because I've said to them, I want to tell my own story in front of them, but I will also tell my story and empower you all. I have now changed the focus of my advocacy from constitutional rights, from civil rights, to my individual rights, to human rights, because it is my human right to be well and choose the best care for myself. I should have no zip code envy with anybody in this country because their elected officials had more insight than my elected officials to make things available to them within that state. I urge you all, start understanding this for yourself. The CARES Act afforded many, many opportunities, many opportunities. This country is still in a pandemic. As I prepared to think about what kind of resources could I curate with the three ladies in front of you, one of them was we know about the foods, we know about all of these. I then learned that they're shutting down the $95 SNAP benefits to the people starting February the 28th. The food prices have escalated as high as 40%. Nobody has rescinded the pandemic. We are still in that. Yet you are going to rescind a third of the food uh, budget that people have. This is unreal. It is a human rights violation. What makes something a human rights violation? Simply this, the sheer number of people impacted. When somebody says to me, there are 2 million people in this state that's been criminalized unjustly for marijuana, that is a human rights violation. 
What that then does is give us many places that we can talk about what is wrong throughout this world. So that is what I am on the pledge to do. I am not presenting as what has happened to me, with me, for me, and will continue to happen. But what I do know is, if you all know me at all, my voice will not be silenced. And I do not believe in gossip. I believe in communicating information that advances changes and opportunities for each one of you. That is it. I love life, the life that you all have given me by listening to me has really fueled me. I, as I close this, a very dear friend, which was one of the people that educated my sister and I on the benefits of cannabis from a multi-layer perspective, uh, said to me two weeks ago, Donna, why is it I've never heard you speak? And I realized, because my voice had been silenced. It's been silenced because I'm now able differently. I don't see words the way you see them. I don't write the way I used to write. I don't notice my mistakes. And people started shaming people publicly about those mistakes. I can be shamed no longer. I will speak. Oh, Donna, you guys can see why we wanted Donna to come on and speak. You touched on so many things, um, you know, really putting into context, especially in light of the pandemic, what you experienced um, did impact your health. The delays that you faced on, you know, you and I have spoken about that. I'm, I'm still kind of sitting here floored about your recent pulmonology. Um, you've kind of shared this with people right now. Um, one of the, when we started working together, one of the issues you were facing was like extreme, um, sensitivity and, and allergic inflammatory type of stuff. So we need to talk on this further, but, um, you know, you, um, you've persisted through so much here. And I, you know, this Beth, Beth wrote a, down a note for, you know, a doctor that we love who came out with a book recently, The Myth of Normal. He's written a bunch of books, but Gaber Mate, he wrote in this book, trauma is not what happens to us, but how we experience it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming from medical trauma, you can see with you, Donna, you, um, you've used this as a transformative, um, motivating experience and that you're speaking out and giving this valuable information is huge. So to me, I see that you're someone who has um, used trauma as an opportunity for growth learning, and then even more amazing, trying to impact and help other people who could be facing the same thing. And um, I know we've spoken before kind of about, you know, you had come to this philosophy of the 30, three, and one. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and you kind of mentioned it before with your list of 30, but um when you when we talked about that before, I thought that was really powerful as far as for people thinking about self-advocating for themselves, where to start. So thank you. Um I the 30 are the 30 articles 
giving us inalienable rights. Uh, in 1948, the, uh, the UN uh, was actually uh, started, sponsored by Eleanor Roosevelt uh, to start the uh, Human Rights Declaration. In that, uh, I think 170, what, between 140 and 170 countries acknowledged that these were the 30 rights that every human being had access to. And that was simply by being born, to be a live birth was what your right was. And I expand that to before you are alive. So the 30 articles, know them, know them. As we curate the uh, resource guide that we will share, we'll send a link that gives you a simple, know them. Uh, when the three, the three in America, you are impacted by your local politics, your state politics and your national politics. The things that is most critical though, is your health and your education is fully turned over to the state, but funded by taxes in the federal government. That is important. So when I say zip code envy, I am a license or I put on hold many, things. I don't uh, generally say what my education licensing or anything is. I was talking to uh, one of the people here and she happens to be a historic woman. Uh, she was my uh, director at Emory University and she assembled a group of people of color from all over the United States and uh, the world. <laughs> and um, she hired me. And I often say she wonders why in the world did I bring that woman into this facility? But she listened to me. She allowed me to speak. She didn't always agree. She did not even almost always implement what I stated, but she understood the necessity of you recognizing your singular voice, no matter what organization you're in. Speak up guys, you don't have to beat anybody with what you're doing. Understand you can change the culture. You can change the culture where you are. Many of the policy influences that have been implemented by my voice are commas. It's simply and. It's simply strike out, duh. It's like you're limiting things by that language. So it may not seem significant to a lot of people, but to that person where it was only the group. that And I, I just got something that told me I didn't qualify for something this morning because I am a social security retired and not a disability or uh, it's another category of, of funding that comes from the Social Security Administration. But I'm like, do you know the definition of the, the, the poverty guideline? Do you understand that you didn't ask me whether I was this? You asked me this. That policy will change. And look at what comes to you. Pay attention. If it doesn't feel right, own that. Stick with it. And you have the power to change it. So that's what 33 and 1. It comes down to 
to one person in those in the local environment, the state environment, and the national environment. One person led to the sponsoring of every change in America. Thank you so much, Donna, for, for sharing. And I wanted to um, come off, off mute and um, build a little bit more with um, the foundation that Donna has just laid out around um, our, our human rights and this this shared um, this shared moment. Is it um, is it all right if I jump in with um, a little bit of some perspective and then we work towards um, maybe sharing some insights from from Beth and Katie? I want to make sure before we transition that um, Donna, you feel not complete because we want you to be still part of this conversation, but um, like you, you've had the, the spaciousness to share what's really on the top of your mind and your heart before we, we build together a little bit more and weave this conversation. Uh, no, I would just like to say it's, um, it's important because it's painful. This is traumatic. I am withstanding. I'm really glad that my video didn't act right because I'm shaking because one of my family members is what undergoing this right now. And she's telling me about this. And it's one of my people that as long as she's alive, I felt safe. And the decisions before her were based on the same traumas that I'm talking about. So yes, I'm glad that you all know to transition to a place of wellness because my story may have triggered with you all. And these women have the insight to know that we have to um, address that and do the check-in and they will check in with you because it is traumatic. It has changed my everything. My everything has been impacted. The, I'll end you with this. America is about capitalism but the World Bank agreed with Obama and it's one of the reasons he got the Nobel Prize. The greatest determinant of health is not education, it's your health. Mm, thank you so much for sharing. I just got chills or had a, had a visceral response to that. Um, to what you just shared on, on so many levels, but, but really again, with these fundamentals, like our health is, is determining our health, um, that, that we can really, there's, there's a lot of really foundational, I, I keep saying that word, but foundational kind of basic, simple information. And so I'd love to, um, mm, contribute a couple things that I was thinking of, um, and then, and then pass, pass the mic over. And um, before I share, you know, as, as Donna mentioned, this conversation is very real. It is, um, we are listening to one particular, one, one, one specific human being share their story. We're holding space and we may also be responding with our own stories. So please, um, this is an opportunity for everyone to self-manage giving the empowerment to you all to do what you need to do here. Take a break if you need to get some water, stand up, change your position, you know, clean your glasses, whatever you need to do for you, um, because this is a, this is a space for all of us. And we want to make sure that we impart um, 
we impart not only insights, but some resources. So um, one of the things that I really wanted to um, uh, to uplift is, is when Donna said that, you know, she's having the opportunity to share and, and something also that um, that somebody had, had mentioned in the chat around needing the space to talk about this. And it, um, it makes me think about the, um, the different types of harm and also how, um, sometimes how simple it is to really uh, rectify or like address that. And so one of the um, nuances of medical trauma can be spiritual harm. And that might come in the form of somebody's religious um, perspectives, beliefs, and systems not being respected, um, maybe because there's an emergency operation and, and this, this person isn't conscious and doesn't get to share their perspectives, whatever it is, um, but also talking about this spiritual violation of not being heard. And so often people are going through the process of seeking treatment or care, and they're not included. They're not onboarded to the process to even know what's happening. They're not being included into the decision-making process, and they're not given options. Um, so they're not necessarily having the opportunity to exercise choice, which can can really um, be a big part of how we 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 experience trauma. So mentioning these these nuances, this kind of psycho spiritual. Um, injury that can happen from not being heard, not being included. Um, other things that Donna mentioned, which is kind of more for um, a little bit of educational content, but talking about this bias around zip code or these biases of ableism and other biases that I wanted to mention, and this is not an exhaustive or complete list, but um, other biases might be religious bias. So the way somebody presents in traditional clothing or attire, um, bias towards gender, sexuality, age, race, um, household status, are they housed, are they unhoused? Um, somebody's personal hygiene, um, it, other, other things like that citizenship status. Um, and speaking of status, one of the um, one of the things that that Donna mentioned, and again going back to this quote around health, is you know your health is the determinant of your health. Know, knowing your status, and I was reading and and kind of um, building with this idea that knowing your status is part of the foundation of developing self advocacy skills. And they talk about this often in the um, HIV community, which is another community that experiences a lot of, of a lot of bias. Um, Cancer as well, when people thought that things were contagious, um, COVID, right? There's a lot of biases here if you've survived COVID. And so knowing your status, knowing what you need, knowing your health history, um, as, as uh, Donna has demonstrated, she's an incredible um, collector of, of personal data. Uh, personal information, which then she needed to really wield in saying to this doctor, I'm going to make the decision that I need to go to the ER and, and, you know, expedite this. So um, the self-advocacy piece can really um, influence how we experience what we're going through, which might not change the um, situations or the options that are laid out for us, but being able to speak up. And so um, we are part of our own solutions here. Um, oh, Don is mentioning that um, people also did not necessarily receive access to this link. Um, so if you have also received messages from a peer, just know that we will circulate this um, this recording. So I apologize for that and, and any stress that that brings up, because that's another stressful situation, right? Not having access to whatever our next touch point is. Um, and so what, what I think I want to impart here is 
that we are, we are part of the collective solution. We are part of our own solution. And um, so, so Beth and Katie will share a little bit more on some tools for, for self-advocacy. And, and one kind of nuanced tool that I want to share is creating choice for yourself. So you might not always have somebody present you with a choice. And again, in these moments where we are activated, where there's a lot going on, having choice can really give us a sense of being grounded again, personal desire, personal perspective. And so maybe somebody's not choosing or, or saying to you, hey, do you want, you know, juice or water? But in a simple situation where maybe you're being offered a drink or something from a nurse, ice or no ice, go on ahead and exercise your right to make those micro decisions as a way to start to stabilize potentially in a situation where you might not have a lot of um, control. So there's much more to share here, but of course, um, let's, you know, try to kind of keep it as um, contained as we can for the nature of a lunch break conversation, knowing that there's so much more to unpack here and a lot of work to do, um, not only self-advocacy, but um, advocacy for, for our loved ones and community. Thank you. Thank you, Donna, for, for sharing today. It's incredible. Thank you, Sarah, so much. And I just wanted to jump in to say that all during COVID and Certainly when Donna was speaking, I, I always thought about as having had someone who was very, very ill, chronic illnesses. My mother was um, often in the hospital with significant neurological issues and um, chronic illness that advocacy, family members being able to be present. That's all I could think about during COVID was how lonely how alone, how little access and how much you do when you're a caregiver in the hospital for a loved one and, and how limited that access was during COVID. And I heard that in, in your story too. And, and that is a huge piece of trauma that people experience feeling trapped, feeling alone, feeling unheard, being too sick to actually digest information that was being given to them by, by medical providers. And, and that happens all the time. Um, so the piece about self-advocacy, building a team, how difficult that is, but possible, um, you know, and, and finding those professional and personal supports and, and, and knowing that 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 is so necessary for people to feel health and not experience the significant trauma that our systems of healthcare, unfortunately, can really perpetuate in the current circumstances that we live in. And that why advocacy on all of those levels that Donna mentioned, you know, uh, local, national, to, to modify these systems is, is, is critical. And we really appreciate the people that can take this traumatizing experience and transmute it into something that will make a change for other people. So Donna, thank you so much for your participation today. Totally. And I just want to jump in and piggyback, you know, like one of the most powerful parts of what Donna said today to me was when she was describing the times when she put her foot down and she really stuck up for herself. And, you know, I, I know people are afraid to do that. I know people, um, there's this kind of paternalistic way that the medical system works where they're telling you what to do. And they, um, if you are not clear on something, a procedure, a medication, anything, don't feel stupid asking. They're not doing their job good enough if you don't understand. It's not your job to know all of this stuff. It's their job to communicate to you. If you don't have a provider that is able to communicate to you, answer your questions, seek a second opinion. If your provider doesn't like you seeking a second opinion, definitely seek a second opinion. And, um, you know, don't feel dumb or 
afraid to ask. There's no stupid questions when it comes to your health. No one cares about your health more than you and trust your gut. That's another thing that Donna was really saying. People were telling her left and right. She knew, especially with the COVID, nobody really knew what was going on at that time. She knew something was wrong. She trusted it. And that's really important. Again, like you, um, it is traumatic when your voice isn't heard. And uh, again, sorry, we will send this link out. I'm so sorry, Donna, if people did not get this link, I'll get this up right away so we can share it because this is important. You know, I just want people to think about that, that like Donna said, find that team, find providers that you can talk to like a human being that will um, care about you fully understanding any choice you make. That's the essence of informed consent, which in healthcare is hugely important. So when we send the resources around, I'm going to send um, some resources that I want to share um, for specific, um, you know, Diagnosis. disorders. Right, exactly. Um, support groups and support. Support groups uh, for different things. groups specific to diagnosis are a great resource. S super helpful. Get, find the community. These people are doing the same work you're doing. So we'll share that. I'm going to share an upcoming thing by the Somatic Experiencing Institute about long COVID. If anyone else is dealing with signs and symptoms of long COVID, I think I already sent that to you, Donna, but I will send again for everyone um, because, you know, it's something that is real and that it, people are experiencing. So uh, that I want to get out there too. Um, again, I know we're getting close to our time here. So I want to let Donna close this out, but uh, thank you, Donna. Um, please think of us as a resource as well. Myself, Beth, Sarah Rose, if you are facing issues with health, with the medical system, um, you know, we'd be honored to be part of anyone's team to give you the time and space to let us know what's going on. And if, you know, even if we aren't the right people to help you, we can help get you to the right people and, um, you know, we'd be honored. So we'll leave our contact information and everything when we send you this stuff too, in case anyone wants to reach us. But uh, Donna, uh, you know, I'd love for you to leave us with what, with a final thought, if you don't mind. Um, thank oh. you everyone for being here and Donna, especially thank you to you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And I, I just want to say thank you all again. Um, I agree to uh, do this with these uh, professionals, these women and these colleagues. And women that I call friend because of the way they do their services, the way that they listen. I've not always told them what they wanted to hear. I've asked them what needs to be corrected. You may notice that we're all nationalities, spiritual backgrounds or whatever, but what we're in uh, unity on is wellness and having the life we deserve for ourselves. So look to that. I designed a group of human beings that hear me, that understand the life I want to live. I don't want to manage my pain. I want to eradicate pain. So make a mission statement for yourself. What relationship do you want with your body and your wellness? The greatest thing that we have to deal with actually out of all of the violations is ageism. And all of us want to age. All of us want to age. Start listening, start learning, start being around all of the people. But I can honestly say from the beginning to the end, the only ageism that has shut me down is ageism. Don't let it shut you down. You're, just because you're aging, you don't sit down, you don't stop growing, 
learning, connecting, believing, changing. Because some of the trick of the devil is just a new game, uh, just a new game being played out with the old mentality. Readjust your own thinking. Thank you. That was perfect. That was great, Donna. And um, this is the. And I want to like. I want to continue this, Donna. And I have already talked about talking about this more in depth. So we'll be in touch about that. We'll let you guys know. This is the end of the planned. Or no, I'm sorry. That's still July. We have one more planned series for Lunch Break Live. We're going to be talking about the vagus nerve and polyvagal theory next month, the 26th. We'll send that information. Then we're going to be looking for more topics to talk about or more people that might want to talk with us. So if you have ideas for that, please DM us, please shoot us an email. We also intend to send along a survey with some feedback. I know some of you have been repeat participants. We appreciate you so much. Um, we'd love your feedback through that as well. Yeah. So thanks again, Donna, Sarah Rose, and every single one of you for coming. Um, literally such an important conversation. Thanks for taking your lunch break with us. Um, we hope to see you soon. Uh, and Donna, you're just the freaking best. All right, everybody. Have a good uh, rest of the afternoon.